loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Persiain, and here with my wonderful co-hosts for today, Kelly Bright and Miles Grossman. We're going to get into the National Basketball Association, some of the trending storylines, topics, of course, a discussion on the local New York Knicks. Um, perhaps we spare ourselves from touching on the dismal collapse of the Brooklyn Nets and uh, just talk about the collapse of the New York Knicks instead. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we'll, we'll get into the all-star starters. You know, got some some news to talk about in that regard. But before we do that, Kelly, Miles, how are we doing? Good. I mean, Miles and I were just talking before we got on the show. It's been a while since we since at least I've gotten to do pick and pod. So glad to be back. It's always fun to talk basketball with you all, even uh, when our New York teams are struggling, which has been a pretty reoccurring uh, phenomenon this year. So just happy to be back here and talking with you guys. Absolutely. Been a bit too long. So, yeah, just happy to be here with you, too. <laughs> Sounds great. I love the enthusiasm, of course, despite the Knicks' struggles. Um, we can start right there if you guys want. <laughs> the 12th seeded New York Knickerbockers are 24 and 28, good for a 46.2 winning percentage. Um, now, that's not exactly optimal. Uh, it's not exactly where fans hoped to be. Uh, I remember having many a spirited debate before this season about why I didn't think this team would be able to win 50 games. And I remember the whole time thinking to myself, like, they're going to do it. Like, they're just going to rip a run in like March or something. Just go like 11 and one or something and and just like get like third seed, 52 wins. And I'm going to be <laughs> wrong. And it yeah. turns out my win prediction was wrong because uh, I predicted them to have 45 wins. And I think we'll be lucky to see them squeak out of this season <laughs> with 45 wins. Um, a little bit of turmoil, just mild. I'm, I'm serious about that, by the way. Just mild turmoil in New York right now. Of course, you use a first-round pick to go acquire Cam Reddish from the Atlanta Hawks, and now he's kind of just cooling on the shelf. Um, <laughs> and there are a lot of Nick fans wondering, like, is this a perishable good? Like, is there something bad about leaving canned radish on the shelf for that long? All right. I'm done yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, that was, that was just... I'm, I'm done for the day. Um, <laughs> no, but really like the need to involve radish in the rotation, uh, I think is there, you know, I wanted to go around quickly, get your guys' thoughts um, on that. Uh, as well as just this team right now, we have RJ Barrett, uh, uh, one of the few bright spots. We have Julius Randle really struggling to be a number one option still. Um, Derek Rose still injured. You know, a lot of strange notes coming out of this season. I just was wondering how you guys kind of think 
this ends up resolving itself if it does you know do you think that after the deadline these discussions become a little less vitriol filled because due to all the, the losses where veterans get played heavy minutes or how are you guys feeling about the state of this team right now oh gosh because i mean i can hear like the slight uh hint of pain in your voice when you talk about this team um and i feel that too because this is a team that we all season it's 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 these expectations that we see and they just never seem to reach them even when they start to catch hot or catch fire or somebody has a great game Kemba Walker plays amazing and then he goes scoreless for two nights and Fournier is starting to look uh like the best decision they've made in the offseason which which he seemed like the worst earlier so it's just been so inconsistent and I think because of that that's why we're hearing New York Knicks involved in so many trade rumors right now but to be honest I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see much action out of that especially uh, considering they just went out and got a solid wing player in Cam Reddish, like you mentioned. And it's very concerning to me that he's played, I think he's averaging now in three games, I think it was five minutes, 10 minutes and five minutes. And it's just like, okay, is there a disconnect between the front office front office and coach Tom Thibodeau? Or is there something we don't know? Is there chemistry issues? I mean, he keeps saying he needs to earn his playing time, he needs to earn his playing time, but there's clearly issues with players who are getting minutes right now uh and you and you've got to wonder if trying someone else trying someone who's had proven success on another team is worth a shot I mean especially I I mentioned Kemba Walker he's scoreless uh two nights in a row now um Julius Randle has been you know I I hate I hate uh hating on Julius Randle but he hasn't really been the guy this year he he really he Unfortunately, it's seeming like last year was pretty much a fluke. So I'm not too optimistic. And I'm also um, very interested. I know we're going to get more into trade deadline talk in a little bit, but there are a lot of options um, for this team, a lot of different ways they could go. I know they've said that they're willing to trade off a lot of their bigger guys. Uh, AB is one of them. I know his name has come up a lot in talks and I'm just wondering who they're going to get for some of these players, especially considering how inconsistent they've been. Kemba Walker. I mean, how, like how high really is his trade value at this point? So uh, I, that's, uh, that's my confusing up and down uh, perspective of the Knicks, but overall not a very positive one. We'll throw it right to miles here for his response too. But I think really quickly, you made a great point. Like last season we saw the Knicks, you know, overachieve. And then we saw a lot of players from that team have contracts expire and get deals that were probably for a higher average pay than they would have if they were on this year's team. And now, you know, same situation. You have a lot of good guys on this team, but you know, if if you were trying to trade Alec Burks last year at the deadline, I think you would indubitably be getting a a greater return. Um, Even with the fact that he's an expiring contract, you know, now you're looking at a situation where he's signed for several more years and, you don't even know if you can get a first round pick for him. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's evident now that the Knicks aren't a playoff team and they won't be even maybe next year or the following year. There, it seems to be a, a young squad that is, is now, I hate to say a rebuild, but it's when you have Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett, who are two young guys, just the star duo at Duke very recently, if we're being honest, you can see along with Grimes that, you know, this is a, a young group. There was a lot of young talent who could be successful in maybe five or six years. And because of that, now that it's 
evident they're not a playoff team. I, I, I do have to sort of call to trade some of the, some of the older guys, like, and, and I guess he's not that old, but obviously Julius Randall trade value plummeted this year. I still think it makes sense to maybe flip Randall flip uh, Kemba getting near this deadline because it, it doesn't make sense to really see this year out with this group of guys. It's time to make changes and build for tomorrow with that young core of RJ reddish and Grimes. I see the desire to want to open up that rotation spot, uh, not only just a starting spot for Toppin, but you know, the spot off the bench for reddish, you kind of get two birds in one stone there. I just wonder like, where is this team then you know i think you can say now especially if you look at the cam reddish acquisition as kind of a sign a, a, a signet of where this front office sees this team as being um mm. it, it seems clear to me that they don't see themselves as there yet you know going and using a first round pick and a young player that you weren't giving any burn to get another young player that you didn't give any burn. Like that's a talent acquisition mode kind of thing. I think, I think this run that they went on last year um, may have tricked a lot of fans into thinking that this team was ready for that next step. When in reality, they were just making these acquisitions over the off season to try and maintain that level. Uh, obviously Julius having a down year, um, Kemba being inconsistently available and inconsistent when available Fournier having a terrible start to the year in regards to his shooting, really everyone having a bad start to the year, which I think, you know, Kelly and I talked a lot about on earlier pick and pot episodes. You can also, you have to look at coaching at that point, because if all of these talented guys are all having down years, there's no way it's a coincidence, right? And maybe they all have to do with it. Maybe they're all kind of weighing each other down but it's a coach's job to kind of stop that from happening, to, to try to hold that weight and lift that ship back up. I think we're seeing the Knicks now really put, at least trying to put their best foot forward, even if it's not happening. Um, last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, I saw a Knicks team that would have beat the brakes off of the Orlando Magic team that beat them twice at home. Mm -hmm. Now, is it too little too late? Probably, yeah. But the fact that that Julius Randle, you know, Desmond Bain ripped the ball out of Quickly's hand and Quickly was not very happy about it. The Grizzlies' John Morant ran over and started like hyping up Bain and Brandon Clark for taking the ball away from Quickly when the refs had already blown the whistle. Like it was a dead ball and Bain yeah. ripped the ball out of Quickly's hand and started celebrating and flexing. And it was like, all right, Randall, that's when he went over to the Grizzlies bench, got in a little spat with them. Double texts were given to Bain and, and Jew. And then after that, you saw the 2020 to 2021 Julius Randle back on the court. That guy is in there. He's just so, so stuck in a shell of the mess of this season. I think that staying the course, seeing this process through, looking to add a ball handler to Barrett and Randall as your core, as opposed to using one of the two to add that ball handler. Like, I just think if you try to look at this team from a different angle and acknowledge that they're really far away from being seriously good, they're in a decent spot as a rebuilding team right now, given that you do want to have some veteran presences. I just think they need to take some of Tibbs's toys away from him. I think, you know, sometimes a, a kid has a toy for a little too long. Maybe he runs up the screen time. It can't be good for him. <laughs> To, to you know be watching that much youtube you got to take the ipad away like 
pick Kemba or Burks, whoever you can get the return you want for, deal them and let the rotation fall into place from there. But I think I think you just got to take one of these toys away from Thibodeau. Now, speaking of moves, speaking of trading players, I know you guys have some thoughts to get off about the trade deadline, not only with just uh, the Knicks and, and what they might do, but also around the league. We've heard rumors that Jeremy Grant once again is looking for a situation where he can be the primary ball handler and the star of the team and, you know, be the one a clear lead guy. Um, that's how you wound up in Detroit. Now Cade Cunningham is there because they were literally the worst team in the league. And now he wants to go to another team. Potentially uh, we might not see him leave Detroit. We might see him get dealt maybe to New York. Some buzz was uh, existent around that. And then of course, Ben Simmons reported to have lost, I think 11, either 11.9 or 19 million. I'm not sure on the exact figure, so I'm sorry, but millions of dollars lost by Ben Simmons this season for not being a part of the team. Obviously rumors that he could be on the move. Any thoughts from you guys? We can start with Kelly on maybe either just want to start with the Knicks or anywhere around the league, Uh, a mock trade. You love a player you think needs to get dealt a player. You think a team shouldn't trade. For example, I think the Kings should hang on to De'Aaron Fox. That could be, that could be a, a topic of debate. Um, but but Kelly, we'll let you go first. Well, it's funny, Chris. It seems like every big name that that people have talked about when when it's coming down to the trade deadline, somehow the Knicks are attached to that name. And for some reason, I just don't think the Knicks are going to end up with any of those guys. Now, De'Aaron Fox is someone who I thought that they should try and make a move for early on, but I I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'd have to give up too much to get him. Although I do think he'd be a great fit. The fact that he's young and he is talented and he kind of fills that point guard role that they're missing. I mean, um, that, that guard role that they're missing. Uh, as far as looking around, uh, all the rumors, Jamie Grant, come on, dude. Like, you're on the Pistons. If you're not even the best player there. Where else are you going to be the best player? Um, Bradley Beal, uh, I know that that's a big name that we've seen last offseason. Probably we'll see this coming offseason. I generally don't think he's going to leave Washington. He, we keep saying things that he is day-to-day or unsure about his future there. But at the end of the day, Washington's the team that's going to be able to give him the biggest contract. Uh, they can offer him up to $241 million over five years, which would be the biggest in NBA history. Uh, and that's way more than any other team was going to be, is going to be able to give him uh, in the open market. So I think he's going to stay there. So, I would say ignore any rumors with his name attached to it. Uh, as far as the Knicks go, I just keep, I keep going in circles and I just don't know. I know Jalen Brunson. I wanted is someone I wanted to ask uh, your guys' opinions on because I've been reading a lot about him on the Knicks. He is having a, a career high season this year, 51% from the field, 16 points per game, 5.6 assists per game. But, is he really going to move the needle for this team, especially given what they'd have to give up to get him? I'm not so sure. So uh, a lot of, I guess I'm going to go with Bradley Beal not going anywhere is my like one that I don't see happening, but uh, just. How would you so, feel if the Knicks did nothing? <laughs> how would I feel? With all this I would talk about like, the Knicks making a move if they just shocked everyone and that, stood that's, pat. This is what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to do anything like, like if we've learned anything from this new front office is that, you know, 
at first it was a good thing. They don't, they didn't go out and chase these superstars. They didn't make any crazy moves, but you look at now looking at what they did in the off season, they didn't really, they didn't really improve as a team. They just kind of changed their identity. If you know what I'm saying, instead of being a defensive team, now they, they went all, they got rid of Reggie Bullock. They bring in uh, Fournier and Walker and, and to boost their offense and hasn't really done that. And if anything, their defense has suffered. So um and the fact that they already made that deal for Camp Reddish, to me, that seemed like their big move uh, coming up, coming towards the trade deadline. So I'm not sure beyond Camp Reddish who they're going to be able to get and who they're going to be willing to give up uh, in that process. I, I, oh, I just, I, you're a Knicks fan, and I'm sure you're used to having all these rumors, all these best case scenarios. And I'm just like, I'm not confident that they're going to do anything uh, noteworthy. I completely agree. I could really see both Grant staying in Detroit, Beal staying in Washington and the Knicks not really doing anything, especially like you said, with that Cam Reddish deal, like they, they might show a bit of complacency being like, Oh, we made our move for the year building for the future. Got a nice young piece in Reddish and they don't feel much, much urgency to force anything when push comes to shove at the deadline. So I would, and, and there's always talks in New York. There's always talks with Grant and there's always talks with Beal. It just seems like, the rumor mill is just is just turning these out at this point, and and I really wouldn't be surprised if it was a pretty boring trade deadline for the Knicks. Yeah, you know, it's all about value with this Knicks front office. Um, Kelly talking about how they didn't chase big stars when they you know first got hired. Well, true and and not true. Yes, they went after them, but you're right, they didn't chase them. You know. They told Gordon Hayward, we'll pay you this much to come play basketball for us. And he was like, Charlotte's giving me more money. And they were like, okay, enjoy Charlotte. You know, Um, they have their prices for guys. The the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks had discussions before the 2020 NBA draft in which the Knicks, I'm pretty sure, offered the eighth and 23rd picks to get up to five uh, and secure top in there. The Cavaliers wanted more. They wanted a player on top of that. They wanted another pick on top of that. And the Knicks said, all right, we'll stay at eight and we'll see if Obi falls to us there. We'll call your bluff. And if he doesn't, then at least we didn't overpay to get him. You know, this front office is really consistent in, in having their prices for whether they're buying something or selling something, whether a player, a draft pick, like if there is an asset in the NBA being moved, the Knicks have a value on it and they know what they're willing to give up, what they're willing to get for it. That's just prime Brock Aller. Like when the Knicks hired him, the one quote that came out about him from the Cavaliers was that guy could tell you the value of every single piece of paper in the NBA. And that's the mindset I want to see the Knicks have in this deadline. I want them to have a price that they want to get for Kemba. I want them to have a price that they want to get for Burks. I want them to have a price that they want to get for Fournier and for Randall and for Noel. And if anyone offers them any of that stuff for any of those guys, take it, take it, take your package, take whatever you can get the draft capital, the, the young rotation player, the prospect, the project, whoever or whatever it may be, take it. If it matches what you want, if it doesn't don't force yourself into a deal just to make a deal. You know, I hope that to, to kind of round up all our thoughts here, like, we all address some different goals we'd like the Knicks specifically to achieve. Like, I feel like they can do the same in a front office, round up their objectives, and then 
just try to negotiate their way to getting there as opposed to like Kelly was saying, like the not chasing it, you know, not chasing after a certain player or a certain draft pick they really want. Um, a report just came out uh, or re came out that the Knicks called Toronto about trading up to number four and Toronto was like, all right, we'll take RJ Barrett and some other stuff. And then we'll give you number four and some other stuff. And then the Knicks were like, what? No, no. And they're like, all right. Yeah. Like, all right. And that was it, <laughs> you know? So I'd like to see them keep that same level headedness and not be affected by all of the negativity surrounding this season, not think that they need to mo- make a move so badly that they end up risking jumping the shark. Uh, we can see that staying the course, building a team the right way can, can really, really go well in the NBA case in point, drafting a young wing, maybe at the number 13 or 14 slot, perhaps from Kentucky, maybe number one draft pick big man. And then you go in free agency, you add Chris Paul and you're sitting now after an 11 game win streak from the Phoenix suns at 41 and nine. Talk about building the right way. Head over to the Western Conference over from New York and in Phoenix, Arizona, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Phoenix Suns are leading the charge in the Western Conference to say that the East is not yet officially the better conference. The West is not dead. We still have the big dogs and uh, the Suns are one of them. How are you guys feeling about Phoenix this year? Are you buying them as a real contender for that shiny, perfect golden Larry O'Brien trophy let's hear it I mean I was kind of in the middle until Tuesday night's game because I wanted them to, they haven't they haven't really had any not not big competition but but I thought playing against the Nets with Kyrie Irving was going to be a big test for them and they passed with flying colors that 121-111 victory and yes the Nets were without Kevin Durant obviously a huge factor but what we saw out of the Suns that game and what we've seen out of them this whole season is just how complete they are. And I think what separates them from a team like the Nets is that they have three, four, two, three, whatever you want to call it, superstars. But the way they fit together is what makes them special. It's not just three guys who are going to be on an all-star team who are, who are uh, ISO players who just who know how to work with the ball at their hands and nothing else. I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, McCall Bridges, all these guys, DeAndre Ayton, who's back now, which can't hurt this team at all. Um, they just know how to play together so so well. Uh, there's a reason they lead the league in assists uh, per game. It's just it's just a really special thing to watch. Even Ayton in the post-game press conference, he said that their main thing is moving the ball, just sharing the ball amongst each other, and then everybody getting a feel. And I think that really sums it up. It's They're just – really really fun to watch and uh, I think one other big factor is the fact that they're 31 and 0 when they lead after the third quarter they they don't blow leads and and I think that being able to finish and complete games down the stretch is huge for any team especially coming into the postseason especially one where a lot of the players on this team Devin Booker uh, have been called out for not being clutch and and not being able to you know score and perform when it matters but so far, and I know it's the regular season, which is which is different, but so far this year, uh, they've proven that they can win, and and they're, I mean, they, I, like they're not losing. They've they've lost once this they're year. Just no not losing. They're, they're just literally not losing. There's nothing else. Literally speechless. They're not losing. I'm out of words, Miles. You take over because I, I I'm out of words. 
I completely agree. No, I am buying the Suns team. And after they lost last year in the finals, I definitely wasn't. They've, they've absolutely surprised me. And a huge reason why they've been so good as of late, I think, is we can attribute it to Bridges because, you know, we all knew what kind of presence he could make on the defensive end coming out of Villanova. And now that he's really solidified his offensive role for the Suns, that the Suns' backcourt is scary between Booker, Paul, and I guess I don't even know if you call Bridges part of the backcourt at 6'6", but he is such a tall, lengthy, skilled guard. Last time out, he gave the Nets 27. Before that, gave the Spurs 26. Following 18, he gave to the T-Wolves. So that offense production's really been there for Bridges, which is huge for the Suns to have that third weapon out of the backcourt where you don't really have to rely on your bigs as much. And, you know, it, it, he really solidified his role during last finals. I thought that they obviously lost, but they really wouldn't have been competitive without Bridges. He did everything right down the stretch. And, you know, he's been rewarded this year with, with his touches, his consistent starting role. And I'm, I'm excited for Bridges and what he can bring for the, to the Suns over the next few years. He's really someone who has emerged as a young star. Macau Bridges, man, he got that extension over the offseason. Aiton did not. Um, Macau obviously proving his worth this year, but, you know, Aiton with that chip on his shoulder really coming through, he's been a really consistent factor for them as well. Uh, but I think you, you guys know the two guys who need to be highlighted most on this squad. Number and they, you know, they fit perfectly with each of your points. Number one, Kelly talking about this team in the clutch. Well, I know someone on that team who, despite literally, I'm pretty sure is shorter than me, um, can go out on an NBA floor with seven foot tall elite rim protectors like Rudy Gobert and literally just make a fool out of them. Like he puts a show on. It's a whole production, you know, like the Chris Paul show in the clutch is surgical. And then finally, you guys know who my favorite player on the Suns is Devin Booker contributing over this latest run, just around 30 points a game. I mean, you go on, you know, you listen to Suns games on the radio in the Ram van. If you're me um, on the way back from Madison Square Garden, I had a Ram van driver from Arizona. So we listened to a Suns game on the radio <laughs> together. Or maybe you watch them on TV like a normal person, like uh, <laughs> like Miles and Kelly. But regardless of how you get your Suns content, you know that that guy, Devin Booker, is cold and he's good for 30 a night, which is ridiculous. I really think he's establishing himself as not just a premier young talent in this league, but take out that young. That's like, you know, you, you get told, oh, that was really good for a kid. Like, not, I, I think we're getting to that point where he's really good for an NBA player, like for a superstar, like we're getting there. Um, and it's wild because just years ago, there was that narrative that he's a loser and, you know, he put up 70 points in a loss and his play style won't, you know, tr uh, translate to winning. They get DeAndre Ayton, they get Chris Paul, as we talked about no representatives in the all-star starting lineup, but certainly in a star-studded squad for the Suns. Look at the alliteration there. A lot of S's, guys. Um, <laughs> now, speaking of, I do have to transition into our last subject because there is a topic, a, a maybe almost opposite, direct opposite of taboo. What would that be? Like, like steaming hot, yeah. you know, to controversial topic. Uh and that's and that has to do with the all-star starters. Of course, the Suns, we just talked about having a great season thus far, 41 and nine. Um, 
no representatives in the starting lineup of that all-star game, but the Golden State Warriors will be represented by Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup of the Western Conference's team for the NBA all-star game. No caveats on that. Andrew Wiggins is the starter of an all-star game. How are you guys both feeling? I know personally I am happy for Wiggins as someone who was labeled a bust uh, now being an all-star. You like to see it. Um, I just, you know, the whole K-pop thing about how it came about, how like the K-pop army of fans led the push for him to make it. I just, a lot of, um, a lot of doubt about whether we should continue fan voting from my, from my <laughs> direction, but I wanted to know what, what you guys thought about Wiggins being selected as a starter for this ASG. I mean, fans only make up 50% of the final selection. So I still have, I still think there's some unanswered questions because I, this makes zero sense to me. The fact that Rudy Gobert isn't an all-star uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah, at the end of the day, Andrew Wiggins, like you said, congrats. I guess happy for him, but it it truly doesn't make sense. I think there was, I can think of at least four to five other guys who deserved it more, including even, you could argue some of the other guys on the Warriors are more valuable to the team than just Andrew Wiggins. So uh, Draymond Green might even be a better forward than him. I know he's injured, but I I really didn't understand this one. Zach Levine also was somebody who I think got snubbed. Miles, I know you have – I think you have a similar take uh, with this selection. Absolutely. No, I think what you said about other Warriors have just as valid of a case to be an all-star starter is true. I think Jordan Poole is in the realm of Andrew Wiggins, just proving that while Andrew Wiggins is arguably an all-star for sure, in no way is he a starter. And it does – I completely agree with you, Chris. It's frustrating that that fans, especially – like, I don't know, what seems to be not diehard NBA fans can have this much sway over an all-star vote. And, like, to me, the the perfect way to select an all-star team would be uh, strictly players. And then the second best way would be to do strictly players and media and weigh the two and completely outlaw fan voting. It's, It's not, you know, the Kids' Choice Awards. I don't know why fans have to be involved like this and it I doesn't like the coaches getting this say though i like yeah, the coach okay that's true that's true it's, it's about the uninformed fan um you know devin booker and and donovan mitchell or paul george are not named to the start not all of those guys you know you can make arguments against them uh making a starting spot on the on the western conference all-star team but still andrew wiggins i just don't see as someone you know who's put up the numbers or has enough like contribution to the warriors um to, to be an all-star starter. And, and when there's so much talent on the West, it just doesn't make much sense. While I do think he's an all-star to me, he's absolutely not an all-star starter. Yeah. Wiggins absolutely could have been a reserve and it all would have been fine and dandy. I just, yep. you know, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter. This will not affect the outcome of the season, but if we want all-star games and awards to matter then we should probably treat the selection process like it matters now this is fine i think lowering how much of a weight they have on the final outcome is necessary alex caruso was almost an all-star the other year yeah he was a laker i'm not even talking like this year when he's actually been really good like you know it's just crazy to me that 
fans or rather it's not crazy to me that you can't fault the fans for going crazy with the process it's crazy to me that this is able to happen like there's really no uh selection like like filtering it's just yeah interesting so I think I agree with the general sentiment that that there could be a little bit of a change to the selection process because it's just getting to a point where people are going to stop taking, oh, they made the All-Star game seven times in their career. Like Mm -hmm. people aren't going to take that seriously anymore. And that stinks because it is an interesting barometer. You know, it's uh, yeah, it used to be serious. Um, I hope it gets back to that point. I will ask you guys if you guys have any closing thoughts, any one player that you you know really think should be a reserve um i i will make the the fight for for fred van vliet uh, at some point on twitter uh he's having a great year he, he could be at the end of the bench maybe uh, um and if not then you know we're ready to wrap up and anyone have a star that they think deserves a shout with the reserves Oh, I mean, I, I just mentioned Zach Levine. I think he's definitely someone who's had a great year this year. I mean, uh, DeMar DeRozan, obviously deserving of that starting position, but I think he's another one uh, who deserves that recognition. And then we already kind of said it, but anybody from the Suns, just pick somebody in the starting five. They That team is so freaking good. Yep. Like you could put all, you could put Bridges, uh, Paul and Booker in there and I, I would be happy. So those are my shout outs. To me, Jordan Poole is someone who deserves to be in the conversation. Maybe not an all-star, but deserves to be in the conversation. (laughs) I I was as the most improved player to begin the year, and he has has proved himself on the Warriors. Maybe not an all-star, but I had to give him a quick shout-out. But one thing I do want to say is LeBron, his 18th all-star appearance, tying Kobe Bryant this year. And you made a great point earlier, Chris. That's a real stat. That's something that really matters for for LeBron's legacy. And, and, and when you have, you know, fan voting, potentially corrupting those type of legacies, it's frustrating. You know, Steph, number 10, that's an impressive stat. Joel, fifth straight start. Um, you know, no one's done that for the Sixers since AI. And, and these are things that matter. Those are really, you know, for contract years, they matter. And just for their, for their overall legacy, they matter. So it's, it's important to, to recognize that we're witnessing some history in LeBron's 18th and Steph's 10th and you know the, the all-star game needs to be preserved for what it should be <laughs> yeah I see it I like the case for any son um Jordan Poole man I think <laughs> I think if I'm they biased. if they had like a late career bloomer game, you know, for like yeah. Randall Pool, the Siakams of the world. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a number one. <laughs> I think he's a team captain. Uh, yeah. No, I, I love Pool as a as an MIP pick. That's fun. Um, I think it will go to a big man again this year. Lots, mm-hmm. of, lots of guys showing improvement, but I think overall, uh, where it's a we're reaching that point where about time to wrap up this episode of pick and pot so got to chat about chat about the knicks chop it up about the suns the all-star starters and as always just had some some fun basketball discussion in general i want to thank kelly bright and miles grossman for joining me on today's episode i'm chris percy and signing off pick and pod is a production of wfuv sports